Our sense of smell is one synaptic jump directly to our unconscious. So we experience a scent and its emotional resonances before we're even conscious or cognizant of what has happened to us. This is a podcast about aroma and how it impacts our life consciously and subconsciously. I'm Kayla Jacobs, a beauty and health writer living in New York, also an aromatherapy student and scent nut. My guest this week is the multi-hyphenate that's Amy Galper. She's one of the world's leading experts in aromatherapy, and along with Jade Schutz, co-founded the New York Institute of Aromatic Studies. Amy's a passionate advocate, entrepreneur, formulator, and consultant in organic beauty and wellness. She's also an advisor and educator to a number of beauty and wellness brands and companies, as well as a guest lecturer at NYU and a member of the visiting faculty at Arbor Vitae School of Traditional Herbalism here in New York City. That's such an impressive resume. How did this all start? Well, it really started, I guess, with my own fascination with plants, which I think started maybe as a kid, you know, having camping trips and summer camp outside and connecting in that way. But I think this whole plant healing thing really started, I would say the first experience was really in my early 20s. I was actually having really bad skin issues, like really bad acne issues. And a friend of mine back then was macrobiotic, which was kind of in those days, the vegan experience of food. There really weren't all these other diets. Like today, there's keto and paleo, paleo and AIP and <laughs> The list could go on and on, but you know, there was like you were vegetarian or you were macrobiotic and that was kind of it. And she was macrobiotic and she really, really pushed me to kind of follow that diet, which was obviously mostly plant-based. Right. And within six weeks, my skin completely changed. And I was really surprised and amazed by really how the power of plants had such an effect on my physiology. And then that kept somewhere in me as I moved forward in life and ended up studying shiatsu and had a pretty vibrant practice here in New York City where many of my clients were happened to be beauty editors and writers of some major magazines here in New York City. And I noticed after they would come see me that they would feel uh, wonderful by the session, but you know, hours later they would lose all of that mind-body connection that they got during our session. Mm. And I felt like I needed to bring in something. And that's when I got introduced to essential oils. So, you know, my life has been interesting. Like I started out in so many different things, but I think the constant from the beginning is I've always been an educator. And whether it was teaching English or teaching drama or doing all sorts of things, it was always in that space of trying to start the conversation about whatever it might be. And then plants just kind of fell into place. And when I started making products for my clients at that point, using essential oils as the core, Many of those beauty editors really fell in love with a lot of the scents and the quality, mm. et cetera. I was one of the first people here in New York who was making product in my kitchen and was very passionate about making sure that all the ingredients were from plants. Yeah. And so there were very few of us back then. I mean, we're talking the early 2000s. There were maybe three or four of us who were really involved in that at that time. And... Um, I found that most of what I was doing beyond even the sales of the product was really educating 
people about what they were putting on their skin. So at that point in the early 2000s, were you describing yourself as an aromatherapist or were you sort of integrating into this new life? I called myself an aromatherapist, but a lot of people found that an odd word back then. I still think they do, I think so too. I think aromatherapy as a term is sort of gets a bad rap. Could you define aromatherapy? Aromatherapy is the use of genuine and authentic essential oils, which are the aromatic extracts from aromatic plants, Mm -hmm. to use them to uh, heal the body, mind, and spirit. Um, You can apply them topically. You can inhale them. But they're really a complementary and alternative care practice, an integrative, supportive healing modality to help us integrate our mind and our body. Yeah. And alongside using all the oils, you were using botanicals. Yes. So... In essence, you were one of the first people who was already kind of crossing herbalism and aromatherapy, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I was very interested in using plant-based stuff. I didn't really want to bring in um, any synthetics. And I actually back then didn't even know how I would. Right. You know, it was so far from my experience. And I've always loved to cook and really love making things. I've always been crafty. So that This was like a very natural extension of me making things from scratch, so to speak. Where were you sourcing from back then? Not very different places that I continue to source from now. I mean, many of the essential oil suppliers that I've trusted back then are still some of the ones that I continue to trust now. So many of those essential oils I was getting from companies that still exist today. And certainly many of the base ingredients also it were in existence back then. I mean, some of them are companies that are still around, like Mountain Rose Herbs yeah. and, and I buy from um, them. Kurt Schnabel's company, um, Original Swiss Aromatics. And there was a company, which I don't buy so much anymore as he's leaning more towards botanical perfumery than he is really ar- ar- aromatherapeutic stuff is White Lotus essential yeah. oils, which I've always liked those, but um, Eden Botanicals. So many of these companies are still around, though over the last several years, especially since s- establishing the school and having a retail space here in New York, I found newer suppliers, more artisan suppliers and work also very closely with another essential oil supplier here in New York called Enflorage. Yeah. They have beautiful oils and they graciously allow me to sell them at our school as well. So I like to support that. And we feel very much so that there's not many people who are getting really good education in New York. And so we both Enflorage and us are trying to partner as much as possible to help get that authentic message out. I would agree with that. And I I think it's a really interesting time. I mean, I've been passionate about aromatherapy for a long time, a student only for a few years, but there's been such an explosion around aromatherapy. And I think especially on Instagram and, you know, you have the Young Livings and you have the Duterras, which have made it more accessible for lots of people, but yet there's this disconnect. So it's people understanding and being really interested and feeling the benefits, but still not really understanding the true nature of of what it is. So I think what you and Jade are doing is really interesting. Can you tell me about your partnership with her? Jade actually was my first aromatherapy teacher. I ended up 
when I was that shiatsu therapist in the mid-90s here in New York City and was seeking an experience that could share that mind-body yeah. encounter with my clients, someone turned me on to essential oils and I immediately was engaged and compelled to learn more. And my husband now of 20 years, I, at that time I was dating him, and he had a really good friend at the time who had a massage school in Ojai, California. And back then, this is like pre-online education, pre-email, e- you know, internet stuff. I mean, Facebook really wasn't even around back it's then. It's crazy, isn't it? It's hard to believe. It is. So I actually had to go to California to learn with her. I met her then in the late 90s, finished my uh, studies with her around... 9-11 time. Okay. You know, we always stayed in touch, but it was interesting. You know, I called myself an aromatherapist. I was making aromatherapy products, but I really tried to actually call it more aromatic medicine because I really saw it as a aspect of herbal medicine and aromatherapy at that point was so associated with things like potpourris and little smelly candles and stuff like that. And faux smells. And faux smells. Lots of faux smells. Lots of faux smells. So I really tried to call it aromatic medicine and that I was making remedies and all of that. And then once my products got in magazines because of my connection with many of my clients, I suddenly got catapulted into the natural beauty space Mm. and really left the healing space pretty abruptly. Okay. And was suddenly literally catapulted before I even had like a solid vision or plan. My product was being picked up by all these boutiques and spas. And at that point, I I veered away from what Jade was doing because I suddenly became this face of this brand and got very involved in this other trajectory. However, I always maintained a very good relationship with her and always kept in touch. And as my consultancy practice grew, it kind of grew out of my product business, I realized there was more need for education because I found more and more people were actually bringing me on to educate them rather than to help them formulate, even though both kind of went hand in hand. So that's when you were consulting. Yeah. People were asking you to make things, but having no idea really about what they were asking. So I would have to go into their office or have a meeting with them to talk about the ingredients. So I found that education was actually driving almost all of my work. And I don't know what it was. It was like around 2013, I think around the first quarter, January, February, March. I don't know. I just had this idea. At that point, I was doing a lot of classes, little one-off classes at a lot of yoga studios in Manhattan. And I was doing a class at Yoga Works, and we were doing a series. And the series kept growing, five people, 10 people, 30 people. It was like crazy. And there was a couple of classes that I taught there where I was bombarded after class about all these people. They were like, I want to get certified. I want to learn. And I realized there was no place for people to get an education. And that's when I started getting, all of a sudden I was sitting on my couch. I was like, oh my God, all these people are asking me to get educated. And I can't believe there's no place in New York. And I just had this idea like, oh, my God, I should open up the school. And then I approached Jade and I asked her if I could license her programs that she had written. And I started teaching her programs. And I opened the school in the summer of 2013. Back then it was called the New York Institute of Aromatherapy. And it grew like exponentially, exponentially, like beyond my wildest expectations. I couldn't have dreamed the way that it expanded. 
And by 2017, Jade approached me and she said, wow, like your business is growing like crazy. And you obviously have a really good handle on live experiences, which is really what I love to do. And I guess what I'm more of an expert with. I can attest to that, by the way. Thank you. And she's really the expert in online education. And so we decided, wouldn't it be amazing if we joined together offering both online education and live experiences? That's when we came up with the idea of partnering and kind of merging our businesses. And then we officially joined as a partnership and as a new business, the New York Institute of Aromatic Studies, in January of 2018. So listening to you talk now, it doesn't seem, and I, I obviously could be wrong, that there was much fear or hesitation. It just, it felt right. It was a, it was a visceral reaction and you just did it. Yes, absolutely. But you, but you know, I have this little bit of entrepreneurial fearlessness in me, I think, that I'm, I've never really worked for other people before. I did have a couple of jobs in my life where I was a high school teacher. I did that. I lasted like two years or this and that. But most often I've worked for myself. And I also have to give a lot of credit to my husband, who is an artist and who's completely fearless. He has been cheering me on from the beginning and never felt like if we were eating ramen, it was okay, that it was we would survive no matter what. And so I think having that support at home and that confidence also really helped to just go for it. Do you think of yourself as an aromatic scientist? <laughs> Well, I definitely don't think of myself as a scientist, though knowing about essential oils, you have to know a lot about their chemical components. And certainly learning about plants and aromatic plants have opened my mind a lot to the beauty of science and the beauty of chemistry, which I can't believe I'm saying because I used to not connect with it at all. So yeah, I think there definitely is a bit of science going on for sure, but I think What's really beautiful about aromatherapy, uh, aromatics especially, is that there is this beautiful marriage between the science and the purely intuitive. Yes. And I think it's interesting, even when you talk to a real scientist, they get to a point, at least my experience, I haven't spoken to that many scientists, but the few that I have Mm -hmm. and the few lectures and talks that I've heard There gets to be a point in science where there's things that might be beyond your comprehension. You get to the point where you're like, how does that really work? Or why is it that we were designed this way? Or there is a bit of mystery or intuition that that sneaks in there, mm-hmm. you know? That and they're I, comfortable with, actually. <laughs> well, I, um, I was reading that Harvard Health was writing about the relationship between the mind and skin. And it's become such a fascinating arena to scientists and dermatologists that they now have a field of study called psychodermatology. Oh, yeah. And so I think aromatherapy comes into this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in in its essence. We talk a lot about that in some of our more advanced courses in using essential oils for skincare, that there is a deep relationship between our mind and our psychological outward, our, our spiritual state, and what comes out in our skin. My experience with oils before I really got to understand them in the way that I do now is that they had profound effects on me that I couldn't quantify, but I knew felt good. And maybe that small part 
is around this whole explosion of using natural products, of using essential oils. Do you think maybe that's why people have embraced them so much? They don't have the the knowledge, they haven't studied maybe, but there is something that's really resonating. Oh, absolutely. I think there's two things going on. One, I think awakening our sense of smell and connecting with scent immediately connects us to our our hearts and how we feel and opens our hearts. And I think we're at a time right now where we all need to open our hearts. Definitely. Compassion is something that I think is needed. So I don't find it surprising that more and more people are working towards opening that. And, you know, we need a more compassionate, kinder place. And there's nothing that moves more directly than our sense of smell to kind of awakening that. You know, our sense of smell is one synaptic jump directly to our unconscious. Mm. So we experience a scent and its emotional resonances before we're even conscious or cognizant of what has happened to us. And so there's this really deep unconscious experience that happens when we smell things. It's interesting because scent, right, is also an invisible experience. You can smell something but not even know where it came from. Like you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't taste it. But that scent comes to you and you've had this experience with something invisible beyond your your understanding beyond your comprehension. So it makes sense that it resonates with that part of ourselves that's like not seen, Yeah, which I think is really important. Now, on the other end of that discussion is I think we also see a real explosion of interest in plant medicine in general, because I think people are also feeling disillusioned and frightened by their own health and ability to control their health, control their food, control their environment, control everything. And by turning to plants, it, it's offering a sense of, of control there, of controlling their wellness and health. And then I think also people are growing distrustful of more traditional methods like maybe perhaps pharmaceutical approaches, et cetera, they are seeking alternatives. The issue is here, and why I'm talking about it being opposite, is that what I'm seeing is a trend where people are reaching towards plants, but they're not quite making a paradigm shift about how they think about their health. So they're looking to plants as just to substitute what they're doing with an Advil. So like, oh, wow, I usually take Advil for my sciatica. I'm going to get rid of the Advil and start using peppermint oil. So they're still thinking about their wellness as getting rid of symptoms rather than thinking that it has to be a whole different way about how they understand what being healthy means. Which ca- encapsulates your emotional health. Exactly. And who you surround yourself with and exactly. what you eat. Everything. How do you think people are going to make this jump? Do you think they will? I don't know. I hope they do. I hope that more time they take smelling the oils <laughs> will raise a bit of awareness and consciousness. Because I really do believe, like, if you take time to just sit still and smell things, that you can't help but raise your consciousness. What I see a big trend with the essential oils, unfortunately, is this real push to ingesting them. Yes. Herbalists, pharmacists, 
for hundreds and hundreds of years have been ingesting essential oils. This is not like a new, unknown practice, but it's a practice that needs to be done under very specific guidelines and under certain protocols. But I guess what concerns me the most is that an essential oil's purpose is to be smelled. Plant medicine in the form of a tincture, in the form of a medicine ball, in the form of a tea is meant to be eaten. And so I think there's this like weird confusion that they think by eating it, they're somehow getting more of it or a potent dose of it. And really why the essential oils are so powerful is really through how they smell. And when we emphasize just eating them, we lose that whole experience. What's something that a listener can do to tap into that? to really sit with something and smell it? Is there a practice that? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think if anyone has an essential oil, and let's say they don't even have an essential oil, you could just go to the store and buy some fresh mint or fresh rosemary or fresh marjoram or fresh oregano or whatever you might have at the store. And if you do have an essential oil, what I like to do is just, you know, uncap it and close my eyes and just hold the bottle about six or eight inches underneath my nose and just relax and smell it as if it's a meditation practice. And as you're smelling it and moving it slowly back and forth underneath your nose to just kind of really be aware of how it's making you feel and where you think it's moving physically in your body. Like for example, once you smell eucalyptus, we all can agree that it makes us wanna cough or it opens up our lungs or you know, it clears our mind. So we all have this kind of common experience that it's kind of wafting and, and resonating through that one part of our physical body. So we wanna kind of recognize where it goes in our body and how it makes us feel. If you don't have an essential oil, you can have the same experience by just sitting still and having that rosemary plant and crushing the leaves in your hands and smelling it over your hands and, and inhaling it and just really engaging your sense of smell. And I think that's the best thing to do. It's really just about being still and paying attention. I love that. And I I think it could become a daily practice, like Mm -hmm. meditation. Mm -hmm. You could have a scent practice or an aroma practice. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite smell? Oh, everybody always asks me that. You know, it's hard because I've been working with essential oils for over 20 years Mm -hmm. and I love them all the time. I will say this, after having an experience of hundreds of different oils over the years, I still always reach to lavender as one of my go-tos. I always have some in my bag. I would say recently I've been really drawn to conifers, um, which are needle trees Mm. like spruces and firs and pines and things like that. Some beautiful oils are coming out of the Northeast and Quebec area, like hemlock spruce, black spruce. I bought those from you. Yeah, white pine, beautiful. I love those oils. I find them really soothing. And also recently, I've been enjoying helichrysum. Um, I've been carrying around a lot for me. One of my students got connected to a distiller, an artisan distiller in Croatia, who's distilling helichrysum italicum, which is the species that is known from Corsica and, and France. 
that area. And it was gorgeous. So I've been enjoying kind of carrying that around with me. Especially in New York. Nice yes. nerve soother. A very good nerve soother. So sort of tapping into that alchemy of mother nature is essentially what we're doing when we are using and working with essential oils. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the way an essential oil is created and even the way that a, um, a plant creates an essential oil is pure alchemy. What the plant is actually doing is yeah. taking vibration, like vibrational energy, and transforming it into physical matter in the plant. And then when we distill it, we take that physical matter, create it into a vapor, and then back into physical matter. So it really is a, an alchemical journey of how that essential oil is initially synthesized and then transformed into the essential oil, which we know today. Do you think of plants as sentient beings? You know, it's really interesting. I was teaching yesterday all day at the Arbor Vitae School of Traditional Herbalism. And one of the co-founders there, Richard Mandelbaum, is an herbalist, quite well known. And he gives great lectures on plant intelligence and this idea that plants have this innate intelligence. Mm. And I've listened to a bunch of his lectures and attended at different symposiums and stuff. And I find some there's some amazing research. Now, saying that they're able to think and reason, not so sure about that as far as sentient like us or, you know, in that way that they have like a consciousness and the ability to know right and wrong. But I do know that they do have this innate intelligence to be able to understand and communicate with each other and to be able to grow in the way that they grow and create the things that they create. Like, for example, there are many of the plants that a lot of this work is done, like plant intelligence work is being, is being based on, are, are ways that the plants communicate with each other via their root systems. It's often that the plants can actually smell each other or sense each other in some way. You know, they're still trying to kind of figure that out. But there are ways in, in forests where trees and plants and fungi, they're all communicating to create like this very elaborate ecosystem. So they can all coexist beautifully together. Beautifully together and co-evolve and all of that. So that's definitely happening. And so mm. what they're noticing also, I think Richard was telling me, that even in some of the, the cells of some of the roots, that as they watch the roots with certain time-lapse cameras, they can see the roots burrowing in one direction and then getting a sense that food is in another direction and then moving in the wow. other direction. That That's they can kind of like have an idea of like where to go and that they were able to even analyze some of the cellular structures of some of these root systems and how similar they were to brain matter, other areas that might be considered to have some kind of intelligence. So this is a like evolving science yeah. from what, you know, he's told me and, and everything I'm telling you, I've just learned a little bit from him who has a lot more uh, knowledge on this area. But yeah. I do feel that there's definitely something going on there for sure. Which makes using them even more precious. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's hard to distill when I asked you, you know, what's your favorite smell? But working with plants, working with oils, 
Is there a piece or a few pieces of sort of life-changing wisdom that you've garnered from your work with them? Yes, I would say my biggest thing is really about paying attention and slowing down. I think plants ask you to pay attention to mm -hmm. them. I've seen time-lapsed video footage of plants and they are moving constantly. Like they are so busy. But it's imperceptible to us. It's imperceptible to us. They've informed me and I guess shown me a way to appreciate and value time mm. in a way that I don't think I would have had before. So I really value that. Yeah. I would say that would be the biggest one is just about paying attention, slowing down and just kind of rethinking what time means actually. So have they made you trust the timing in your life? <laughs> trying to it's very hard you know life in New York it's tough you know when life you, in cities life in cities it's really hard and I think we're bombarded and overstimulated you know when you get a high from the excitement of it all like I am definitely a junkie for that high that it's hard to let go of or it's hard to kind of come down from but I don't think it's healthy <laughs> it's interesting you know they're even showing they have spas now who give walks and forests for forest bathing forest bathing like this whole thing like spending time in nature actually de-stresses and slows you down and all of that so. or faux forest bathing what's the um the spa I think naturopathica I think you oh. can go and there's a room and it's it's like a forest so it's okay. Of a simulated right, right. forest bathing experience. Yeah, yeah, but spending time in nature is, I think, really important to our health. Agreed. What's your goal for the school and for your education for this year? For the school, I just want us to reach as many people as possible and just share our, our work and our passion about the importance of smelling things and the beauty of essential oils. I think that's really important. And so what that would mean is, you know, continuing to do things like this and talk about it with more and more people, partner with different groups that we feel aligned with, trying to just get the word out about us. And as far as the school in New York, I just want to you know, partner with as many people aligned in the wellness space as possible, because I really see, you know, using essential oils, it is an integrative practice, that it, it's not something that's like the cure-all. You need to be in relationship with other modalities when using essential oils. So I think working with nutritionists and herbalists and artists and perfumers, you know, I'm all about like integrating and sharing and creating community. Yeah. So more and more kind of community experiences, you know, my own personal education, you're saying, or education for the school? Like, what do you also mean? Also for yourself, personally. Oh, I think I want to, be, you know, become better at plant identification, get more familiar with that and become better as a distiller and learn a little more about cosmetic science. I really love that aspect of what I do as well about formulating. So I would say those are three areas I'd like to improve my and expand my knowledge. Are there ways that aromatherapy can permeate your life that people would be surprised to know about? I mean, we've touched on a lot of those things, but mm -hmm. anything that people might be like, oh, I, di I didn't know that aromatherapy could even touch that. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that people, I think they think of it as something to like put in a diffuser and use at their home and don't really think that it can be used every day. Mm. You know, I think a good practice is like even making a quick spritzer and like carrying it with you throughout the day and using it whenever you feel nervous or or a rollerball or just, I think if you're constantly around it and constantly using it and incorporate it into your daily practice, you have those aha moments a lot because all of a sudden a shift will happen that you may not even be conscious of and you'll be like, wow, I didn't freak out when I got on the subway today or I really feel more mellow like because of this. And then you'll think back, oh, that's right. I, I sprayed it like every morning this week and now I'm having. So I think it's a really subtle thing. But like I said before, it's really about paying attention. Mm. And I think people don't realize it can have such a profound effect in these very kind of subtle ways. Is there a feel-good recipe, a basic one that you could give us, something lovely and easy for the amateur aromatherapist? Yeah, I think for something really easy and calming that you can put in, let's say, a a two-ounce little plastic spray bottle. Nice. All you need to do is fill it up with some distilled water or purified water and then add a total of about 20 to 25 drops of essential oils. And I would put lavender and sweet orange. You know, rosemary might be really nice in there just for a little uplifting focus. So I think that would be a really nice blend. That's a nice little trio. (laughs) So what would be your best advice for a newbie dipping their toes into the wonderful world of aromatherapy And what are your top brand picks to look out for? I would say for the beginning consumer who's really interested in getting into essential oils, it's important to find a trusted brand, like a brand that's been around for a while that offers certified organic products. I think in the UK when I was growing up, that brand was Tisserand. It's evolved a lot. But sort of back in the mid to late 90s, Mm -hmm. that was what we all knew about. Right. You know, it's hard because a lot of these big companies also aren't necessarily being completely forthright in the information. But I think to be an educated consumer, I think the best thing to do is to just ask questions. I think one thing is an essential oil should always be steam distilled, Mm -hmm. except for citrus oils. So always asking is this a fragrance oil or is it actually steam distilled from the plant? That would be a number one question. Number two, I would ask if they know where the plant grows from, you know, which part of the world, or is it a mix of different areas? Like is your lavender oil just a, a blend of lavender that comes from India and France and Oregon or wherever, or is it like one single source. It's obviously better to get it from a single source than a blended, but um, so that would be informative. The label should definitely have the botanical name on it, which is like the science name. So we know it's definitely not a fragrance oil. A fragrance oil is an aroma that the molecules that make it up have been completely created and synthesized in a laboratory by chemists. It has no relationship to nature and does not come from nature. It's man-made. And the chemicals usually from which they synthesize, like they have to start with something, are often byproducts of the petrochemical industry. So toxic. 
so has a lot of residues that are not healthy for us and contribute to environmental pollutants and all sorts of things. So that is one big difference. And also not prone to having the same effect if you have a chemical lemon versus real lemon oil. Are you going to have the same emotional, physical reaction? Or does that a tricky question? Well, it's a little tricky because, you know, we can still have a memory-associated response. It can still affect our mood and our behavior. But if those aromatic molecules were to make it into our bloodstream, they become much harder to expel out of our body. Our body doesn't really know what to do with synthetic molecules. They kind of linger longer in our body and fatty areas, fatty tissues, fatty cells, where essential oils are made up of the same atoms and molecules that we ourselves are made out of. So we recognize them and they're much more easily like processed mm. and biosynthesized. So you can smell an essential oil or use it in a cream and then you can actually exhale it and taste it in your mouth or feel it as you sweat. So it like can really process through your system really effortlessly. Whereas a synthetic one is going to have a little more trouble finding an exit, <laughs> which is why they're linking it to a lot of issues, you know, is that it's a little harder for a body to process. So those are the biggest differences. Some chemists are really good and they can you know, copy an essential oil scent down to its almost imperceptible difference. But after time, and if you've trained your nose, you generally can be able to figure it out, figure it out a little bit. There are a lot of really beautiful brands that are nice out there. There's a company that I became, you know, for just the basic consumer. Um, there's a brand I was really just recently introduced to that I thought was lovely called Prana Rome, um, one called Amrita. Um, really nice Eden Botanicals, original Swiss aromatics. Those are really nice kind of smaller brands that I think have really beautiful oils. Aromatics International, plant therapy, I think. And at your nice. school. People and can yes. come to people can come to the school. Yeah, on Florage has an online um, component. They have a beautiful selection of essential oils. You can find them online on Florage. E-N-F-L-E-U-R-A-G-E dot com. Yeah, and then obviously at our school, we sell some oils from a company in Quebec and in France and in England. And, I like the one um, from England. What's it called again? It's called Norfolk yes. Essential Oils. That's where I got the, the English lavender. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. Can I do a little quick fire round with you? Of course. I'm just going to ask favorites. Um, oh, my. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going to ask you favorite oil because it's like children. You mm -hmm. can't choose. Right. Favorite book. And it could just be of the moment. It doesn't oh have to God. be of all time. My favorite book of the moment, The Secret Life of God. Ooh, <laughs> exactly. It's <okay. That's> interesting. <laughs> little religious there, but <laughs> it is very interesting. You know, I find it very interesting. It's by this rabbi. It's really fascinating. It's really easy to read. Mm -hmm. Favorite podcast you're listening to? Oh, I haven't been really listening to any podcasts, so... I don't really have one off the top of my head. Sorry. Moving on. Um, favorite flower? At the moment, I would have to say daffodils because I've been seeing them all Yay. over New York and it makes Carpets. me think of spring. I know. I know. Favorite affirmation or prayer? Um, a favorite affirmation. Pay attention. 
I like that. Favorite gemstone? Um, sapphire. Ooh. I like blue. Nice. Favorite time of the year? I would say spring. Favorite way to relax? Taking an aromatic bath. Ooh, nice. And favorite comfort food? Chicken broth. <laughs> Yum. Okay. Well, it's been absolutely fascinating just chatting with you and getting a little insight. And I think for people who are wanting to discover this world, mm -hmm. it's sort of the the perfect way. Is there anything that you'd like to tell people? Anything else? I think everyone should just not be afraid to smell things. I think that's my biggest thing. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are scared. They don't want to smell things. I don't know why. Yeah. But they should embrace their nose. Embrace their nose. Put their face in it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Kayla. This was, this was so exciting yeah, and a thrill funny. for me. So I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you.